Good morning, family. Let's go ahead and break bread and take communion this morning and acknowledge our Lord Jesus Christ, what he done for us in the cross, and be excited about it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are our dad. You are in the heavens. Thank you for declaring your son, Jesus Christ, as the only way to get back into heaven where we came from. Thank you for sending your son and your will and your kingdom be done through your son, Jesus Christ. Be established here on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you for the supplies that are in heaven. We thank you for the resources. We thank you for the restoration from the resources, Lord, that we have more than we need here, more than enough. Let your words have come true, Lord God in heaven. Thank you for supplying all our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And thank you for opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out unto us, Lord, more than we can ever dream or think about. Thank you for being our daddy and fixing us up in what we need spiritually, physically, mentally, financially, sociably, Lord God, adventurously. Let there be peace, hope, that reign in our lives we seek you on a continual basis lord god thank you for your promise of your word lord anything that we give to you you will take care of and it will not be a problem again lord we give you our children our lives our ministries our work and we give you our health lord our attitudes and we give you our finances lord that you may fix them fix them that they will never be a problem again according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And we we ask you for our daily substance, Jesus Christ. We ask you for our daily bread. And please forgive us as we try and look to forgive and pray for our enemies and forgive them and let it go. That we may obtain your glory and your honor. Thank you, Lord God, for delivering us from temptation, keeping us from the evil one, <clears throat> keeping us from the evil one, and making us your shining stars here on earth, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's go ahead and take up the bread, please. Let's pick up the bread and say thank you, Father, for sending your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us, paying the maximum price of your body. It was broken for us, Lord, that we may have healing. Your body was broken for us, Lord God, that we may be restored and made brand new. Thank you, Jesus Christ, that your body made a way for us into salvation, that you are the bread of life, the manna that comes from heaven, that gives life to every man. Thank you for that abundant life, Jesus, and we partake of your body right now. Let's go ahead and take of the bread of life, the body of Christ. And with that, Jesus took the cup and said, This is my blood shed for you for the ratifying of the New Testament. Thank you, Lord, for your word that puts us in brand new ground. We are new creations in Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, we ask you to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us and make us brand new and worthy for your work and your glory. Bless us again with the, with the blood of Jesus. Let's go ahead and partake of the blood that sanctifies us and cleanses us and makes us brand new. Amen. Restore, Lord. Restore. 
restore, restore our finances, restore our health, restore, Lord God, our love and genuineness. Thank you, Lord, for this day that we move forward in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read a little, a lot, not a little. I'm going to read three verses, and then we're going to, on the third person, it's going to Jesus speaking to us. The verses are, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Psalms 27, 8. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and enlighten you and be gracious, kind, merciful, and giving favor to you. The Lord lift up his approving countenance upon you and give you peace, tranquility of heart and life continually. That's from Numbers 6, 25 and 26. I like it. Amplified. I'm going to say all these scriptures once again. Our third scripture is Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you in his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Zephaniah 3.17. Amen. Thank you, Lord God, for blessing us and confirming your word with signs and wonders. The Lord make his face to shine upon and enlighten you and be gracious, kind, merciful, and giving favor to you. The Lord lift up his approving countenance upon you and give you peace, tranquility of heart, life continually. Amen. You are a delight to me, says the Lord Jesus. I know you find it difficult to receive this blessing. It is based on the unconditional love I have for all of my followers. I love you more than you can begin to imagine. So just relax in the light of my presence and take time to soak in this luminous love. Relax with me and listen while I rejoice over you with singing. Living in a fallen world is a constant challenge. There is brokenness all around you as well as within you. Each moment you can choose to focus on what is wrong or to seek my face and enjoy my approval. Even in the midst of important activities, you can breathe this short prayer. I seek you, Jesus, I seek you. Remember that my delight in you is based on my finished work on the cross. So don't fall into the trap of trying to earn my love. Instead, live as the one you truly are, my beloved. And let your gratitude keep you close to me, eager to follow Wherever I lead, I delight in you. Beautiful, beautiful words of of love. And that's exactly what we need today. We need encouragement that we are to act like we're love. Amen. So let's go ahead and take it and probably don't know how to do it. Receive the word of God this morning. Receive his blessings and his joy. Amen. Amen. That's good enough. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Let's go ahead and pray out with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me give you one psalm, Psalm 5. This is a beautiful psalm. It says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray, my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship towards your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsel. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions. For they rebel against you. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with a shield. Amen. Glory to you, God. Praise the Lord continually today. In Jesus' name, go in the name of the Lord. Be at peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, family. Talk to you later. Thank you, everyone, for coming to today's Zoom class of reading the big book. Rick and I, we're in recovery. We're going to start off with the set-aside prayer, please, and then the serenity prayer. Lord, help me to set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I think I know about myself, everything I think I know about others, and everything I think I know about recovery, my own, for a new experience in you, Lord, a new experience in myself, for a new experience in my fellow man, and a much-needed experience in my recovery. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and say the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Today we're going to start on page 416 of the AA Big Book, and I'll go ahead and start off our reading, and then I'll pass it on to Rick. 416, down at the paragraph where it starts, it helped me a great deal to become convinced that alcoholism was a disease, not a moral issue. That I've been drinking as a result of a compulsion, even though I had not been aware of the compulsion at that time, and that sobriety was not a matter of willpower. The people of AA had something that looked much better than what I had, but I was afraid to let go of what I had in order to try something new. There was a certain sense of security in the familiar. At last, acceptance proved the key to my drinking problem. After I've been around 
AA for seven months, tapering off alcohol and pills, not finding the program, working very well, I was finally able to say, Okay, God, it is true that I, of all people, strange as it may seem, and even though I didn't give my permission, really, really am an alcoholic of sorts. And it is all right with me. Now, what am I going to do about it? When I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not had a single compulsion to drink. Pass. some person, place, or situation that affects some some fact of my life unacceptable to me, <clears throat> and I can find no certainty until I uh, until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation of being exactly the way it's supposed to be at the moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world today. <clears throat> By, well, by mistake. Until I accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober unless I accept life on life's terms. <clears throat> I could not be happy. I need to not concentrate so much on what needs to be changed in the world, but what needs to be changed of me and my attitudes. Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage and all the men and women are really players. And forgot to mention I was true critic. That I was always able to see the flaw in every person, every situation. I was always glad to point it out because I knew he wanted perfection, just as I did. <clears throat> and AA and acceptors have taught me that there's no, that there's a bit of good in, in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us. And that we're all children of God and we each have the right to be here. When I complain about me or about, or about you, I'm complaining about God's handiwork. I'm saying I know better than God. For years, I was sure the worst thing that could happen to a nice guy like me would would be that I would turn out to be an alcoholic. Today, I find it is the best thing that has ever happened to me. This proves I don't know what's good for me, and if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or anyone. So I am better off if I don't give advice, don't figure I know what's best, and just accept life on life terms as it is today, especially my own life as it actually is. Before AA, I judged myself by my intentions while the world was judging me by my actions. Acceptance has been the answer to my marital problems. It is though AA has given me a new pair of glasses. Max and I have been married now for 35 years. Prior to our marriage, when she was a shy, scrawny adolescent, I was able to see things in her that others couldn't necessarily see. Things like beauty, charm, gaiety, a gift for being easy to talk to, a sense of humor, and many other fine qualities. It was as if I had, rather than a Midas touch, which turned everything to gold, a magnifying mind that magnified whatever it focused on. Over the years, as I thought about Max, her good qualities grew and grew, and we married, and all these qualities became more and more apparent to me, and we were happier and happier. But then as I drink more and more, the, it seemed to affect my vision. Instead of continuing to see what was good about my wife, I began to see her defects. The more I focused on, on and the more, the more I grew, more they grew, the more they multiplied. Every uh, defect I pointed out, it became greater and greater. Each time I told her she was nothing, she reduced a little bit more and nowhere. 
The more I drank, the more she was it. Then one day at AA, I was told that I had my lenses on my glasses backwards. The courage to change and the serenity better meant not that I should change my, change my marriage, rather that I should change myself and learn to accept my spouse as, as she was. AA has given me a new pair of glasses. I can then focus on my wife's good qualities and watch her grow, grow, grow. Keep going. Thank you. I can do the same thing <laughs> with an AA meeting. The more I focus my mind on this defects, late starts, long drunk logs, cigarette smoke, the worse the meeting becomes. But when I try to see what I can add to the meeting rather than what I can get out of it, and when I focus my mind on what's good about it rather than what's wrong with it, the meeting keeps getting better and better. When I focus on what's good today, I have a good day. And when I focus on what's bad, I have a bad day. If I focus on a problem, the problem increases. If I focus on the answer, the answer increases. Page 420, please. Perhaps the best thing for all of you to remember is that I, my story is universally proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations of Max and other people that are lower my story, I can watch my story level rise when I discard my expectations. But then my rights try to move in, and they too can't force my serenity level down. I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations by asking myself, how important is it really? How important is it compared to my serenity level? The emotional sobriety and, oh God, what I lost my page. When I place more value on my serenity and my sobriety than anything else, I can maintain it at a higher level, at least for the time being. Acceptance is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever is in front of me to be done, and I leave the results up to him. However, it turns out, that's God's will for me. I must keep my magic magnifying mind on my acceptance and off my expectations, for my serenity is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I never had it so good. Thank God for AA. Page 552, please. He said, in effect, if you have a resentment that you want to be free of, you will pray for that person or that thing that you present, you will be free. If you will ask for your prayer and for everything that you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free. Even though you don't really want it, for them, or your friends are only with orders and you don't mean it, go ahead and do it anyways. Do it every day for two weeks, and you will find that you will come to mean it and want it for them, and you will realize that there's where there used to be uh, feelings of bitterness and resentment and hatred. You now feel passion, understanding, and love. It worked for me then, it has worked for me many times since, and it will work for me every time I am willing to work it. Sometimes I have to ask first for the willingness, but it too always comes. And because it works for me, it will work for all of us. As another great man says, the only real freedom a human being can ever know is doing what you ought to do because you want to do it. This great experience that released me from the bondage of hatred and replaced it with love is really just another affirmation of the truth I know. I get everything I need in Alcoholics Anonymous, and everything I need, I get. And when I get what I need, I barely find that it was just what I wanted all the time. Page 100, please. Uh, 
Both you and the new man. Swap day by day in a path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we took when we look back and we realize that there are things that came to us when we were putting ourselves in God's hands, we're much better than any. I lost my place again. Anything we could ever have planned. Uh, follow the dictates of a higher of, of a higher power, and you will presently live in a new, wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. Amen. Page 83, please. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will truly know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Page 85, please. It's easy to let up a spirit of actions of rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do so. For alcoholism is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. But what we really have is a daily retreat with the constant and the maintenance of a spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we <coughs> must carry out that vision of God's will into all of our activities. How may I preserve thee? Thy, thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly, and we can exercise them along all our willpower along the line, all we wish. Is a proper use of the will. Okay, boy. Much, much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, directions from Him who has all knowledge and power. If we are carefully following directions, we can build a sense of flow into our spirit into us. And to some extent, we have become God conscious, and we've begun to develop a vital success. But this must, but we must go further, and that means more action. Amen. Uh, page 43, once more. The alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases. Neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. D.N. You know, uh, beautiful, wonderful words of life. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, reading page 552, where it says that uh, if you have a resentment and you want to be free of, if you will pray for that person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free. It was <clears throat> says for two weeks, 14 days. 
I moved that up to 45 days. I got an envelope on my truck. Every time I get in there and warming up the truck, I pray, you know, for the enemies, for the people to be restored in this fashion. Um, and sometimes <clears throat> writing uh, resentments down, it, it, it opens up old uh, resentments that we have of people that hurt us through the ages and we haven't been able to do anything about it. Now we can do something about it by thanking God that I got a resentment. That means I'm alive. I thank God I have. A, uh, I thank God I'm full of resentments and anger and and hostility. And, ah! But May fifth on the uh, Keep It Simple book says, "Forgiveness is all powerful. Forgiveness heals all ills." From Catherine Ponder. We need to forgive so we can heal. Forgiveness means not wanting to get even. Forgiveness means letting go of self-will. Anger and hate are forms of self-will that take up room in our hearts. Yet, a still small voice inside of us wants to forgive. Just as others have forgiven us, just as others have forgiven us, we need to forgive them. When we forgive, we give our will to our higher power. When we forgive, we make room in our hearts for our higher power. By giving up our anger, and our hate, we let that still small voice come through a little louder. This is how we heal. That is why forgiving is so powerful for us. And we usually pray, God, help help us to let go of self-will and help us to forgive people today. Amen. And making a list and praying for the people is, is works magical. It just it creates a new... A new life. It actually makes room for more miracles and remarkable things to happen. Thank you so much for coming in here today. Appreciate it. Let's go ahead and pray out with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Forever. Forever. Amen. Amen. Go in, <clears throat> go in peace. Thank you, Rick, for coming in today and everyone. Have, have, a, have a remarkable day. I'll see you tomorrow. I hope so. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey. A story from my mother's favorite book by William Smith. This one's called Paying Attention. Yeah, on page 195. Young Love. I was preaching for a church in Northern California. They had no youth minister, no singles minister, no education, college or involvement minister. So I was all of them and my youth minister capacity. I decided to take the young people on a canoe trip down the Russian, rushing river. Actually, it was called the Russian River. This was a very bad idea, Northern California. The water runs very fast and it is not to be trusted. My only excuse is that I was very young and consequently can plead both ignorance and temporary insanity. The brochure that was sent to the church made it sound like a nice adventure. Fresh air, exercise, natural wonder, excitement, scenic beauty, 
get close to God and to each other. All the necessary ingredients for a spiritual exhilaration church outing. We left before daylight, three carloads of us, about 25 people in all. In my involvement minister capacity, I have planned on there being several adult chaperones to give spiritual guidance and to keep some of the more active boys and girls out of the bushes. Every one of my adults had last-minute emergencies which providential hindered them from being involved. In my single ministry capacity, I had planned for there to be equal number of boys and girls. My thinking was that there should be at least one boy and one girl in every canoe. The theory being that not only is that romantic, but deep in every male's genes, there's a primordial instinct for how to handle canoe and a girl in rough waters. Both theories proved to be totally wrong, especially the one about the handling of a rough girl. I mean a girl in rough water. But you must remember that I was young. I ended up with two more girls than boys. Neither of them had ever been in a canoe before. It was a beautiful day, as bright and warm and promising a spring day as you can imagine, which just goes to prove, once again, the monster, the mother nature, excuse me, is not to be trusted. She is deceitful, lulling you to sleep so she can take full advantage of you when you least suspect it. The first warning of potential trouble was when we arrived at the canoe rental headquarters. There was a long heated discussion among the people behind the counter. They talked in strong whispers and it was impossible to tell just what the debate was about. But I overheard things like, I don't think we should. Remember what happened the last time we did this? Well, I'm not going to be responsible. I don't think we'll lose that many. We could get sued. <laughs> I thought the problem was with our reservation and the deposit. Or maybe they didn't have enough canoes. Or maybe they didn't have enough staff to pick us up at the end of our trip. But it wasn't too long before I discovered what it was. The conditions of the river. Some torrential rains at higher elevations, coupled with an exceptional heavy runoff of melting snow from the Sierras, has seriously raised the level of the velocity of the river. Apparently, those staffers who thought the making money was more important than safety won out because our trip continued. When we reached the departure point, my alarm grew. The river was obviously out of its banks. The noise of the muddy, foamy, turbulent water was defying. When I saw large trees, boat docks, and dead animals floating down the river, I expressed my apprehension. The person in charge assured me this was no cause for concern. He said that it was perfectly normal. We launched 12 canoes into the rushing flood. I had decided to take the two odd girls with me. I do not mean odd as in strange or peculiar, any more so than a man would view any female. I only mean odd in the sense I had no boys to pair them with. They were college age and attracted enough to turn heads, 
my parting admonition was, now let's stay together. I'm sure they tried. We hadn't gone 200 yards before disaster struck. Every canoe had tipped over at least once. Lunches, sunglasses, seats, cushions, paddles, shoes, an assortment of life jackets and articles of clothing, along with a few kids were floating down the river, much of it never to be seen again. I was trying to be everywhere at once, trying to get canoes upright, trying to find lost articles, trying to find lost kids, trying to find the bank of the river, and failing miserable at it all. There were several other groups in the river, and it was impossible to tell who and what belonged to whom and which. Gradually, things began to settle down. The kids began to get the hang of canoeing, and the water became less turbulent as the river widened, and the descent became more gradual. The trip became rather enjoyable, except for those kids I couldn't account for. I didn't know if they were ahead of me, behind me, or underneath me. At some point, I began to notice another canoe, not of our party, that contained two young men. Now, these young men had not only been astute enough to notice the two young ladies with me, they had also observed that they were not with me in that special sense of boy-girl with. It sort of frosted me a little, and I made it a, as difficult as possible for them to advance their cause. However, their persistence and, and dogged determination was admirable. Only one thing can make men act like such fools, love. As we neared the end of our trip, there were a particular wide stretch of very calm and placid water with beautiful oak trees lining and overhanging both banks. It was lovely and chanting and it drove those love-crazed boys to the brink. Their time to score was very limited, so they made a desperately bold and determined advance against the rather flimsy fortifications the girls had thrown up. They threw their canoes up so close to ours that I could see the little beads of erotic perspiration that desire had placed on their foreheads. These boys had such a bad case of the spring itch that they were broken out with little red blotches, like hives or bee stings, all over their faces. They were pathetic. They began the oldest song in dance in history. It was disgusting, but it worked. That is why it's so old, however, they were so observed by their objective and so excited by their success that they forgot two things of great importance. They forgot where they were and they forgot about me. The stretch of the calm water was narrowing to one last rapid. Pretending to pay no attention, I slowly, carefully maneuvered my canoe and consequently theirs towards a large rock just above the rapids. Love is a marvelous thing. It, it not only blinds us to the faults and blemishes of the beloved, it blinds us to impending disaster. They never saw it coming. About 10 feet before the collision, I spoke for the first time in a very conversational tone. I said, boys, 
you are about to pay the price that all men pay when they allow women to divert their attention. You're about to look very foolish, and I pointed to the rock, which was now looming over their heads. They looked up, paddled frantically, screaming wonderfully. Then one of them bailed out of the canoe in a marvelous acrobatic display of sheer panic. The other, determined to see it through to the end, clung to the sides of the canoe, thinking it would save him. It didn't. The prow of the canoe struck the rock and reared high into the air. The rear end filled with water, and then it disappeared beneath the surface with its lone occupant still clinging fiercely to the sides. Both boys went down into the water. Both they and their gear were baptized, and the river carried them away, and I saw them no more. I went on my way. I went on my way rejoicing. I hoped the dunking cooled their ardor somewhat and made them more rational. I'm sure it cured their rash, and I am sure the experience did them some much good. I have often wondered how they told this story and in what endearing terms and memorable language they described me. I had a marvelous moral in my mind when I began this piece. It was about love, I think, whatever it was, I forgot it. You probably would too. So just laugh and appreciate God's gifts and don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> Amen. That's the 12 step program slogan. Don't take yourself too seriously. This too shall pass. Easy does it. But for the grace of God, live and let live and first things first. Amen. Our next story is called Staying in Love. Not quite so young, but still young love. I was teaching English at Albert University in Montgomery. It was right after class and I had gone to my car in the parking lot. I saw him standing casually by my car and it made me wonder a little, but it was very cold. No time for loitering. I could tell much about him except that he had a lot of dark curly hair sticking out from under his baseball cap. His jeans were old and his jacket looked a little worse for the wear. When I saw his light, his face light up, I followed the direction of his gaze and I saw her. She was blonde and cute. She was wearing a heavy tray, tweed with a white scarf hanging down from the front. He was waiting for her. It struck me even then that he could have wasted, that he could have waited in the car where it was warmer. But then I remember that it was like to be young and in love. And looking at her, I would have waited outside too. He walked toward, toward her as she came across the parking lot, and when he got close, he smiled like he was really glad to see her. And she smiled too, right up to his face. They didn't say anything, they just stood there in the cold, looking into each other's eyes and smiling. Then suddenly, he reached out his hand towards her face. He did it so quickly that I anticipated her reaction, flinching, ducking, or slapping it away. But she did it, she never moved. 
He just stood there, eyes wide open, smiling and trusting. His hand stopped about an inch from her face, and then he extended his index finger and touched her right on the tip of her nose to tell her it was red from the cold. I guess, but he might have done it even if I didn't been, if I hadn't been. They both laughed and linked their arms around each other, walked into the car, skipped a little. When they got there, when they got there, he opened the door and when he got in, she slid way over so that they could be close when he got in. And it was so clean, so natural, so beautiful. I went to my car a little warmer. As I drove away, I saw them again still in the car, sitting close and laughing. I hope they never forget how important it is to do the little things, the natural things, to smile, to touch noses, to trust, to link arms, to sit close and to laugh. Because if they remember, they'll, they'll always be in love. It is not the big occasions, anniversaries, and birthdays, things easily remembered, that count. It's the little everyday kind of things that are so easily overlooked that sustain relationships.